This is Pastor Chadwick King. I hope you enjoy the ministry of God's Holy Word today provided by the Promise Center Media Ministry. Please share this lesson or sermon with your friends and family. And may the Lord bless you. How's everybody doing? All right. So we're going to have ushers going back. We're going to have a team coming forward with our group host training papers. I'm so glad you guys are here tonight because not only is this the first night of our group's training, host training, but it's also my wife and I's 14th anniversary tonight. Yeah. And so one of the things I'm very proud of is the shirt that she's wearing tonight, I ironed before church. And it's linen. And you know when you iron linen, it just, as you move it to iron the next side, that other side wrinkles back, right? You just, it, you wrinkle it as you iron it. So that, so that, that was one of my gifts, one of my gifts to sweet, the sweet gal. Amen. Love this lady and, and give honor to her tonight. Um, we're going to be passing these papers out. How many, how many came tonight knowing that we are doing a, a small group or group host training? How many n- knew that? Oh, wow, good. Okay. I didn't know if you accidentally came and you're like, well, what's happening around here? Uh, but I'm glad you're here. Thank you guys so much uh, for being a part. I'm excited for the next 35 minutes of kind of sharing my heart and kind of going through some of these uh, exciting principles. And this, this is an amazing church. I, I feel like the heart of the gospel, the heart of, of, of the relational side of the gospel is in this church. I feel like what God is doing is mobilizing us and setting us up to, to organize. I, remember the story of the 5,000 when Jesus fed 5,000? Anybody remember that story? So, so he, he, he's got all these people, and they're listening. They're in rows listening. But he said, hey, guys, if we're going to feed 5,000 men, not including women and children, we're going to the, we're gonna have to break this down and organize this. We're going to have to have everybody sit in 50s. And, and, and some of the greatest miracles happen when we break the, the big group down into small, smaller groups, and we see what God will dispense into those groups. And so the, the, tonight is about... Uh, t- Really, how do, we, how do we go from rows to circles? Because circles are a powerful thing. And uh, as, our, as our team is, is passing those out, I want to do a little social experiment. A little social experiment. Uh, Megan, Rebecca, Emily, can we have just some of the ladies that are over here on the front? Can you guys just come and stand right here? This little so I know. I didn't tell you guys this was going to happen because it's part of the social experiment. Okay. <laughs> So here's what we're going to do. It's, a, it's, it's very simple. You have to come, you got to come up with a, a seven-letter word, but it has to consist of letters from each of your middle names, okay? So, so why don't you figure that out real quick? You don't have a middle name? Sit down. You don't have to be a part. Hallelujah. No middle name. All right, we got four here. So you got to do that and then let us know what you come up with, all right? So go ahead and work on that. All right, so there, there they're going. Okay, actually, I'm just kidding. You don't have to do that. But stay right where you are. Did you see what happened? They went from a row to a circle really, really quickly. Because you can't discover anything in a row, but you can discover things about each other in a circle. You guys did it. Great job. Great job. But that'd still be cool if you guys could figure that out and let us know. Seven letters. Everybody have their paper? All right. Here we go. 
We're going to do uh, tonight part one, the group, part two, the leader next week, and then the curriculum part three. I want to say to those who helped in our focus group, we had a focus group a couple weeks ago and just kind of asked a bunch of questions to some of uh, those who have been involved in groups and just got some feedback and, and that was some prayer and some uh, asking a lot of questions in a lot of different directions. We, we're, we're finally honing into what we feel like is a comprehensive concept, principled concept of groups and and uh, we're in, still in rendering. We feel like we're still in rendering, but we feel like God is, is putting this together, and uh, we're very excited about it. So um, I, I want to start off with a, a question, and we go to why groups. What is the best group you've ever been a part of? And I want you to write this down. What's the best group you've ever been a part of? And I'm not talking about just a church group. I'm talking about this can be like a book club. This can be like you were in a neighborhood gang. <laughs> I don't care. I want to know what's the best group you've ever been a part of. I want you to think hard about this. Maybe it was a, a baseball team and you huddled around after the game and, and there was camaraderie. What's the best group you've ever been a part of? I want you to write that down. I want you to write that down. Don't say it out loud, but just, just write it down. I want you to fill it in. What's the best group you've ever been a part of? What's the best group? It could be just some friends from church hanging out. I know we got people who like to go do coffee and some that like to hike. Maybe, you know, just maybe you were in a gang or coming out of a gang or you're still in a gang. Whatever it is, we're fine with that. But we're just write that down. And then the next question is when you when you get that, I want you to I want you to internalize this, and you can even write this down, but but why was it so great? Why was it so great? What was it about that group that was so great? What was it? Was it a sense of belonging, value that you got from it, ownership, leadership? What was it about that group that was so great? And on the count of three, everyone just yell it at me because I really like to know. No, I'm just kidding. I don't do that. Okay. So you got that. That's for you. But I want you to think about that as we go into uh, the rest of this, this lesson here. You cannot grow spiritually unless you are connected relationally. This is a principle in the Scripture. There is nothing spiritual. There is nothing spiritual about going out into the woods by yourself and doing Life and Christianity alone. Christianity was not designed to be alone. It was designed to do this in community. So you cannot grow spiritually unless you are connected relationally. I know a lot of people who are getting older, but they are not growing up. Or they grow old, but don't grow up. You may know some yourself. Don't look left and right. <laughs> we believe life change happens in the context of relationships. We believe that life change happens in the context crucible of relationships, and I'll explain why in just a moment. Meaningful relationships can be hard to find. Groups at the Promise Center exist to make life-changing relationships relevant and accessible to everyone, to make this available to everyone. In Ecclesiastes 4 and 9, it says this, Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. 
If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But, but pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though uh, one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. It's better to be in relationship. At the Promise Center, at the Promise Center, we want to be a church of groups, not just a church with groups. You can fill in the blank there. We want to be a church of groups and not just a church with groups. What does that mean? Groups for the Promise Center, the future of the Promise Center, is not another thing we do. It is not, hey, let's do, let's try some some groups and let's try the water slide ministry and library ministry. No, groups is what we are. We are a body and a community that within that body, it is made up of many, many cells or groups. And I'll explain how and what that's going to look like in just a moment. But we don't. We want to go to the next level. We've been a church for several years now with groups, but we want to be a church of groups. We believe everyone should be a part of a group. We believe everyone, everybody say everyone, should be a part of a group. Turn to your neighbor on the left and right and say, that means you. Very good, very good. Here's what healthy here's what healthy groups offer people. Here's what healthy groups offer people. A place to connect. A place to connect. A place really you can almost say a place to belong. A place to belong. Yes, whatever a person is like, this is Paul, I try to find common ground with him. So that I will let, uh, so he will let me tell him about Christ and let Christ save him. I want to find common ground. I want to connect, a place to connect. Number two, a place to protect. A place to protect. We know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. So we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers. And sisters, we're going to fight for one another. We're going to fight and protect one another. Number three, a place to grow. It's a place to grow. Groups are a place where you're going to be able and we are going to be able to grow. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. You can't do this. I can't do this alone. Now, we have a scripture that we're going to put up on the screen, and uh, it, it does go from, from one side in, into the next page, uh, the fill in the blanks. But we'll start with the verse here. Exodus 6 and 6, this is an important verse, and this is going to be kind of our launch pad today. It says this, therefore, say to the Israelites, I am the Lord. I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves to them. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm, with mighty acts of judgment. I will take you as my own people. I will 
be your God. Then you will know that I am your Lord, the Lord your God, who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. So when God told his people, while they were in bondage, while they were in, in uh, Egypt, God didn't just say, hey guys, I'm getting you out. We're going to do a jailbreak. Anybody ever seen jailbreak? Just getting out and run. Just run. Run as far and fast as you can. God's like, I'm going to bring you up. I'm going to bring you out. I'm going to free you. I'm going to do some things. I'm going to make you a people. I'm going to make you a nation. This is not just about saving you. This is not just about you not having uh, a taskmaster anymore. This is not just about, oh, I'm going to heaven, kumbaya, hooray, hooray, which is great news, right? But it's bigger than that. The plan that God has for his people is much, much bigger. So number one, he says this, I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptian, of the Egyptians. That's salvation. I want to save you. You're coming out of the world. You're coming out of this. You're turning from that. I'm going to give you power to come out of that. Number two, I will free you from being slaves to them. Which tells me you can, you can be saved and still have some bondage in your life. Everyone's like, oh, no, no, no. Well, no, no, no. When I got saved, I became perfect. And then we asked your spouse and they said, no way. Not yet. So he says, yeah, I'm going to save you, but I want to do some delivery. I want to I free you. I want to make you free. You are a slave with shackles and chains, but, but those are gone, and you're out of Egypt. But now i got to take the slave out of your heart. Right? i got to take the slavery out of your heart. And then he says, I will redeem you with an outstretched arm. That's restoration. Restoring us to what we were called to be. Restoring us to what God originally designed us to be. I think I mentioned this a couple weeks ago. When God made man, he made man in his image. And the next little phrase is he gave him dominion. When we are what we are supposed to be, then we're able to do and operate in the function God has designed in us. So God is not just wanting to you know, save you. And just, you know, fix some of the things. He wants to restore you to be a son again. To bear his image. To bear his presence again. And then it says, I will take you as my own people. That's fulfillment. You're going to be a people. You weren't a people. You weren't a nation. You were slaves. You were just a big family. Your family reunion was, was, you, was you building pyramids. You, you, that was your identity. You weren't a people. You are my people, my heart, but I'm going to make you a nation. I'm going to make you great, just like I promised Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I'm going to make you great. So we find freedom in groups. Let me explain this. Salvation comes because of the work of God in our lives. When God saved the children of Israel out of Egypt, it was a divine work. It was a work of of God, he moved into Egypt, he comes in like gangbusters and straight up tears the place up. Ten plagues. By the time it was done, Pharaoh's like, get these boys out of here. I can't take it anymore. He's got boils, there's frogs in the house, and his first child died. Like, like the place is ransacked. It's, it's completely turned upside down, and Pharaoh's like, get out, get out, get out. 
And when it's time for salvation, I'm telling you, it's time to get out, get out, get out when God's coming in, bombarding, and that happens. But he doesn't want us just to be saved. He wants us to find freedom. And I want to propose this idea to you tonight that freedom is going to come in the community of the body. That freedom, your freedom from certain bondages and strongholds are going to come in community, in groups. This is where you are going to be freed from certain chains, bondages, mindsets, strongholds in your life. That's why we need the body. Let me show you this. Four dimensions of humanity. Number one is the arena. The arena. And all of us here have all four of these. Number one is the arena. This is what I know about me, and this is what you know about me. This is what I know about me, and this is what you know about me. Okay, so for instance, I walk in, you go, whoa, pastor's got a cool beard. And what you don't know is it's real itchy, but it is cool. It's coming off pretty soon because it's really, really itchy. But anyways, that's a whole other story. Walk. This is what everybody knows. This is what everybody sees. You know it. We know it. It's, it's, it's the open part of your life. And really, in so many ways, that's all we really get in church. In church, like we, this is like what we get to see is, is the arena part of your life. You can come in and go, praise God, hallelujah. You can even serve on the dream team and be like high-fiving people. I'm so glad you're here, but inside there's some bondages. There's some brokenness that needs to be healed. And so we have this other arena called the mask. And this is, what, this is what I know about me, but you don't know about me. This is the mask I put on. There's an area of your life and my life that, you, that, that we don't know about each other. We, I know it, but you don't know it. I know it, but you don't know it. It's the mask. I know it about me, but you don't know it about me. And then there's the blind spot. Come on, somebody. This one's dangerous because this is what we know about you, but you don't know about you. And this is the area we're all like, who should tell them? Who is going to tell them? And you're dancing around it and you're, this is what, this is what we know about you, but you don't know about you. And then there's this amazing God-given potential. And this is what, in the natural, we don't know. I don't know, unless God inspires it, I don't really, really, really know. I mean, I, I can go, man, you're, you, man, I see some qualities, and, and I can speak faith. But, but really, in the seat of your heart, only really, really God sees the full potential of what's possible. And I want to submit to you that in the in the crucible of the relationships that God wants to put in your life through groups, you can discover those with other amazing believers. The potential that God has for you. All right. These groups, groups. Now, someone's saying, why don't you say in small groups? Well, I, I'm really trying to change my language because as, as we've been thinking about this and praying on this and you know, when you say there's some churches that have connect groups or life groups, life groups just like, are we doing this for the rest of our lives or, or small groups? 
does it mean it's going to be real small, small home, small parking? I mean, like we're not promising small. We're not promising the rest of your life. We're just promising it's a group, right? We're just promising it's a group. So we're really trying to cut the word small out. It's a group. And you can have a big group. You can have a small group. It can be a group, all right? We'll get to that in just a moment. On, on this next part, these are, these are crucial because these are what can happen, should happen, and really can only happen in the, commu- in the community of groups. First, we connect with each other. This is really vital. The Bible says this, but if we walk in the light, God himself being the light, we also experience a shared life with one another as the sacrificed blood of Jesus, God's son, purges all of our sin. So if we're in the light, he says, then we're going to share life together. And we're going to share life together with other people who are in the light. Right? So we're connected. We're connected. And, and, and it's easy to drift. The natural thing is to drift apart. So we have to fight and contend to continually strive to be together and stay connected. Next, we confess to each other. We confess to each other. It says this, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Where does healing come from? You know, what's amazing is the Bible says that when you ask for forgiveness, God forgives you on the spot. Boom. Done. You don't, you don't need to worry about this. When you confess it in true repentance, it's done. But that doesn't mean you're fully healed and delivered from it. The greatest thing you can do in your life is to begin to confess it. And you need someone to confess it to. You need someone to talk it out about. Yeah, hey, I've had an attitude. I've been dealing with this. But you're not going to do that with a stranger. You're not going to do that. And there are some people that would do that. You know, you meet them and then you know, in three minutes you know everything about them. The, the typical person, some walls down, connected, and all of a sudden, Holy Spirit's in the room, and, and all of a sudden, there's a question, and something, something happens in your heart, and a memory, and, and then you, start, you just start talking it out. And all of a sudden, there's healing, because your, your, your secret is your sickness. But as you're, as you're confessing it, all of a sudden, healing starts happening in the context of community. So we confess. And again, I don't want you to get the idea that like now groups is all about going and getting together and just talking about all of our sins. That's not the point. Okay. All right. What'd you do this week? Name it. You over the, you start, you know. Like, oh my goodness. Everyone move away, you know. That's not the point. It's not just like, you know, this is about really like, speaking to mountains and speaking to giants and, and like really focusing on like, hey, I, I need some help. I need some accountability. I need some somebody who's going to war with me and, and pray over this with me and pray with me this week, be accountable to. So we confess. The next thing is we care for each other. We care for each other. Share each other's burdens and in this way obey the law of Christ. Share each other's burdens and in this way obey the law of Christ. We care, we care, we care for each other. God's going to give you a compassion, a compassion. It is easy. Again, there is a natural tendency 
within humanity to drift to what is easy or easier. And, and we naturally drift into either one side. You know, C.S. Lewis says we, we drift into one side, whether it's carnality and sin, or we drift into one side that is, that is tradition and legalism. It's easy to drift into those. When it, when it comes to, to the call to care, it forces us to stay in a place that's some, somewhat inconvenient. In fact, the story, how many know the story of, of uh, the Good Samaritan? Remember the story of the Good Samaritan? Like a dude is on the side of the road bleeding and dying. And like a religious man, okay, comes by and looks and walks around. It wasn't convenient. Didn't care. He was religious, but he didn't care. He knew the law, but he didn't care. It didn't, trans- it didn't get here. It wasn't connecting. Then another man who was religious walks by, looks, and it wasn't convenient. He keeps going. But then a man who was not of the upper echelon, he was not of the religious order. He, in fact, was a part of uh, a, a culture that was very, very questionable. And yet his heart went out and he stooped down and he inconvenienced himself because he cared. Groups are about us caring for one another. Amen? One of the powerful things about groups is this. As a church grows, here's the truth of the matter, is that your group becomes a, a form of, of pastoral care. The, the greatest way that we, can, that we can do the work of the Lord is to care for one another. To care for one another. And there's so many gifts and callings in the body of Christ. For us to, to turn the church into some like big government, that the big government has all the answers. No, the answers are in the people. The call of the ministry is to equip the people to do the work of ministry. That's why he saved us, so we can serve each other with our gifts that he has redeemed. Does that sound okay? All right. I know that's a big idea. No, no, clergy up here. I had someone today, no kidding, on the phone, you know, the pest control of all people. Yes, uh, you know, talking, knew knew my name and was like, oh, you're a man of the cloth. Man of the cloth, all right. <laughs> Haven't heard that one. Yes, I've got a lot of cloth on me right now. It's getting bigger and bigger, but that's another story for another day. And, and uh, you know, there's an idea about, man, minute, the, the preacher, the pastor, and, and, and the gifts are in the body. They're in the body, so we, we have all these gifts to care for one another, to do good for one another. Amen? Then we challenge each other. We challenge each other. It says this, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Don't stop connecting and challenging each other. All right? So I'm going to go through this kind of quickly so we can get to the last page. What is a group? No, number one, it's just, it's got to be three more people. Three more people. Can it be two? Yeah, kind of. You know, Jesus said where two or three are, there I am. I feel like Jesus is like two, but let's do three. You know what I mean? Like, 
two or three, there I am in the midst of them. So we, we really think a group is like, let's just keep it with the basic definition, like, like two's a date, three's a group, okay? <laughs> so don't date your ministry. Be in a group, all right? No, I'm a, there was, there was a thought. Okay. It must be Christ-centered. It must be Christ-centered, okay? It must be Christ-centered. So uh, at the end of the day, and we'll get into different kinds of groups in a little bit, but at the end of the day, like Christ has to be the center, okay? One of the worst things that happens to, to religion, to even to Christianity, is when when we become the center and we take, it's not Christocentric, but it's me-centric, it's church-centric, it needs to be Christ-centered, okay? You want to know why the dark ages happened? When you boil it all down, the church no longer was Christ-centered, it was church-centered church, and not Christ-centered church, okay? So that's, that's the important thing. And then it, you must meet regularly. So if you're meeting once a month or every two months, that's not a group, okay? That's a hangout, you know, whatever. But, but a group needs to meet regularly. And we really like that to be once a week, okay? So um, those are just important things to know. Okay, great scripture, 1 Peter 4 and 9. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Let that just sink in. Let it just sink in. Let it just get deep into the bone. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. So, so these are the films right here. Hospitality is the first offering we share in our groups. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. That's your, if you can't do that, then let's not move to the next part. Like there has to be a sense of hospitality. Okay. Now, one of, the, one of the big reasons that people don't want to do a group, this is the grapevine, is I don't want to clean my house. This may be the best thing for you. This may be a godsend just for you to clean your house. No, but there is, there is there's a level of hospitality. And again, that doesn't mean that you have to deep clean moments before, but this does mean that there is there's a there's a welcoming spirit. Hospital, you know what it means. You know what it feels like when you you know you're wanted, and you know when you're you're not wanted. You know when someone just wanted to get this over with. Okay, start with hospitality. Then it says, um, each of you should use whatever gift you have received. So this is the next part, and fill this in. This is very important. This is gifts based groups not needs-based groups. Gifts-based groups, not needs-based groups. And it's very easy sometimes, and maybe we've done this before, where we go, let's go needs-based, okay? Let's have, let's have four of these kind of groups and six of these kind of groups and eight of these kind of groups. And really, I think one of the things that, that the Scripture just keeps like echoing, has been echoing to me for several weeks now, is, is like, there's gifts inside. There's things that you love. There's things that you're passionate about. Do that. You know, some of you have come through some great things. Share that. Right? And I'm passionate about finances. We have some people 
passion because I was broke as a joke. And God helped me, and I got on a plan, and there's stewardship, and then God started showing me principles, and I want to help other people. That's a passion versus, you know what I'm saying? So we, we, we're, we're moving toward gift-based, not needs-based. Okay, we're moving that direction, and we're moving that. This is going to be a stepping stone semester in the fall to get to January, okay? Free market, full free market. So we're really excited, and we'll tell you more about that next week, okay, and, and the next two weeks. Reasons for semester-based groups. So we're doing semester-based groups. You can see the little chart here, January uh, to mid-April, the winter, spring, 12 weeks, summer, six weeks, uh, fall, eight weeks, okay? So, so why are we doing it this way, okay? Someone says, well, I want to do it year-round. Can I do it year-round? Am I breaking the rules? Am I getting in trouble? No, you can do it year-round. The semester base is to help you. Okay, and here's how it does. It creates a lot more momentum for your group. It's just when you have semesters, it's easy to go, here we go again, guys. It's like a slingshot. Here we go. Semester begins, kind of relaunch a, maybe a new curriculum or new idea, kind of reboot. Hey, everybody, semester's starting. Let's invite people. Okay, so we want free mark. We want you to dream big, and we want you to do your thing. And if you want to keep going with your group, I know there's some groups that just keep going, and they love being together. But these groups, when having semester, it just gives them another boost and another, um, a, another jolt for momentum. Number two, it makes it easier for people to join a group. So that I don't, I don't know if this makes sense, but people just like to begin, like start something when it begins. Does that make sense? I mean, people just are inclined to go, like, oh, it starts in two weeks. Okay, there's just a little bit more momentum, momentum it gives you versus like someone going, well, they've been going for four years. Everybody knows each other. You know, I'm the outsider. It gives you, it gives you that, that jump. So some don't want that. And the other thing it does is, is, is it, it really does motivate your group to, to, to kind of recommit. So if you're doing a group that goes around, awesome, but it's kind of a recommit time. Hey, we're going to do this, refocus, and, and that, that's a great thing. The third thing is it lets you take advantage of natural start and stop times in our culture. So if you notice, like, like at the end of April, May, like, life goes kind of weird. There's graduations, allergy season. <laughs> like, the world is just bizarre for, like, a month and a half. You know, people are traveling. Summer started. There's, like, you know, lots of stuff going on. So it's just, it's kind of natural. January is kind of like, hey, I need to jump into something. I need to, you know, I'm, let's work on our marriage. Let's work on our finance. It's just a, kind of a natural sequence of when things happen. So we, we take advantage of the natural start and stop times of a culture. And, and next, many people like an end date. They like you, but they don't. Love you. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> Some people need like, they don't want to jump in. And, and, and they want to like, know like, hey, this thing will be over in, in eight, eight weeks. And 90% and of the time they're going to be like, Let's keep going. But people are more reluctant to start if there's not a stop date. So it helps. Okay? The next thing is, the last thing is, troubled groups can start over. <laughs> troubled groups can start over. Okay? It gives you an out. It gives you, hey, you know what, guys? Let's reboot. Let's take a semester off. We're gonna, I'm going to jump into these. You guys jump into those groups or, you know. 
you over here. You know, you, you know what I'm talking about. Just interpolate that. Hallelujah. Amen. All right. Who can I invite to my group? Saved and unsaved. Friends, family, co-workers, church friends, unconnected church attender. Anyone, everyone. Okay? Anyone, everyone. But I want to encourage you, as a, as a leader, as a host, be prayerful. Be prayerful. Because anyone could go to your group. But you know what? Pray that God will connect you with the people that need to be in your group. You're graced with a certain grace to minister to certain people. Like, like there's, a, there's a certain gift in you that, man, I, I, if you will pray it, God will put people in you and go, this is like the most amazing group. It just kind of came together. It was amazing. We didn't even know each other, but God did it. I, I, if you'll trust God, keep your eyes open and be open to something amazing and different and maybe new, God will do something amazing. Okay? Groups are not a place for business. Offerings, unapproved materials or speakers, controversial topics, or politics, or politics, okay? Stay far, far away from that conversation, okay? Next steps in a group. One of the things that we want to encourage every group host, we want you to pray that God will help people take their next step, whatever their next step is. You know, it can be they can make three steps, whatever. Some people have growth spurts, but but we're praying everybody in this semester, God, we want to see everyone take their next step. It could be um, start attending Sunday services. It could be start reading their Bible regularly. Uh, be water baptized. Start praying regularly. Attend starting point. Join the dream team. Begin financially sowing into the local church. Invite a friend or neighbor to church. Plan to be a group host next semester. Attend an encounter service for deliverance and baptism of the Holy Spirit. Like, think of the next step. Like, man, you know what? Let's really, you know, I want to encourage you to trust God for this next step. And that's a huge win in and of itself. Now, There's three kind of groups, and, and, and you can look at these at the top. There, there are, every group should have these three elements, evangelism, fellowship, and discipleship, okay? If you're missing one of those, then you're out of balance, okay? But you're going to have, everyone's group is going to be heavy to one of these, okay? Every one of, some are going to be more evangelistic, some are going to be more discipleship-oriented, heavy in discipleship. But if you're heavy in discipleship, that doesn't mean you walk in like a bunch of Bible nerds, sit down, don't talk, open your Bible, and walk out, okay? There needs to be fellowship, and there needs to be encouragement for other people to come. Does that make sense? So if it goes too much on one and becomes all one, it can become weird, okay? And I don't want you to... Be in a weird group or lead a weird group. I've been in one before. I was like, eject button. Okay. So you balance it out. Very important. Balance it out. Balance it out. Evangelism, discipleship, fellowship. And there's nothing wrong with having maybe, you know, hey, this is going to be heavy on a fellowship, getting together, talking it out. But don't forget evangelism. Hey, we need to invite other people because what happens is sometimes heavy fellowship groups can become cliques. 
right? Well, didn't get a big amen there, but that's very true. <laughs> Discipleship. Okay. So here's what I want you to do. There are three scenarios. There's three stories here. I want you to read these, and I want you to point out which one of these stories fits to each one of these kinds of groups. Can you do that? And we'll take four or five minutes. All righty. So, Brother Mark, how's Brother Mark? What kind of group is he leading? Fellowship. Brother Jeff? Evangelism. And Susie May? Discipleship. All right. So here's what we're going to do. And that was the quietest I've ever heard church at the Promise Center. It was almost weird, to be honest with you. So I want you to write your story. And, and I want you to start by checking off one of those. And I just want you to write a story. Make it up. All three of these were made up by David and I. So these aren't real. These are not, Mark is not real. Jeff is not real. Susie May is not real. I know you're disappointed right now. They are not real people. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to, I want you to write a story. And, and what I'd like for you to do is I don't want you to base it, um, you know, on, on, the, on the size of like your, maybe your influence. You go, I don't know a lot of people. I want you to base it not, I want your goal to be based not on the size of the goal related to your abilities, but the goal related to the size of your God. How big is God? How awesome could he just blow your mind with something? Seeing your family saved. Being a, being a, a host for, for people in the church who are disenchanted or are disenfranchised or are disconnected, whatever it is. I want you to write a story. So take about two or three minutes before we close. I'm going to have a few more remarks, but I want you to write a story. I want you to go big with the idea. Will you do that? Sound good? All right. Some of you already started writing. Make sure it's a God-sized goal. Go big. One more minute. All righty. How'd you guys do? Did you blow your own minds? Was it like, wow? The re all the realists in the room are like, no. I'm going to stick to what I know. I want to tell you that when you trust God, you step out, nothing is impossible. Because we already live in circles. When I walk into the Connect Center, I see circles. Our, our life, is, we're, we're connected to so many circles. I say let's bring Christ into those circles. Right? Amen. So next, next Wednesday, part two, the leader. We're going to talk about the leader, the host. Is that good? Let's stand. We're going to say a prayer together before we're dismissed. Thank you guys for being here tonight. You guys are amazing.